0: When I was called to be your pastor, I put on 15 pounds in three months. Yeah. I managed to lose it, but it's really hard to eat well in this line of work. I might be working late again, and I don't have time to put something healthy on the table. I'm the cook in the family. Um, so, uh, So I order pizza again, you know. Or... Some members, I won't name names, load me up with all kinds of addictive goodies, especially around Christmas But Despite the hazards to my waistline in this job, there's a part of this work that I miss, and that's the dinners we used to have together. Potlucks, receptions, funeral dinners, all of those. I miss them not so much because of the food, though the food's good too. I miss them because of the people. There's something about sitting down with someone for a meal. Shared meals foster connection and community. When we share a meal, we share our hearts as well. I look forward to the day we can share our meals again. Our Lord, too, knows about the deep connections made at the dinner table. Perhaps that's why he's constantly eating in Luke's gospel. Constantly eating! And perhaps that's why he promised to be most clearly present in a meal, a humble meal of bread and wine, shared among those who make up his body in the world. Today's story about On Emmaus Road has a happier ending than last week's story in Luke's Gospel. Last week's Gospel ended on an Alfred Hitchcock note. You know the end of the birds where they're walking out and you don't quite know what's going to happen next. It's kind of like that last week. You have an empty tomb. You have these two men who announce the resurrection, but no one actually saw Jesus. No one saw him. We are left with Peter astounded at an empty tomb and discarded grave clothes. Today's story happens later that Sunday. Two travelers are on their way to Emmaus. Why they're traveling isn't explained, but uh, they're they're traveling, and they're talking about last Friday's tragedy. And then a strange man joins them. This is the second time, you know, you you had the two strange men join the ladies at the tomb, and now a strange man joins these men walking to Emmaus. They don't recognize him but there's safety in numbers when traveling. After all, you it's good to have more people around to protect against bandits. Uh, so they travel along together. The stranger wonders what they're talking about. Has he been under a rock? He must have been if he doesn't know what's happened. Doesn't he know about Jesus? Doesn't he know about the one who drew... Huge crowds healed the sick, fed 5,000, was the promised messianic king by every appearance, and then was betrayed by one of his own, arrested, handed over to the state, and lynched. Haven't they heard? Hasn't he heard? You can hear the heartbreak in the men's words. We had hoped he was the one to redeem Israel. We'd hoped he was the one to redeem Israel. Even the news of the empty tomb and the message the women received isn't enough to heal their heartbreak. Jesus didn't live up to who they thought he was. You can imagine the afternoon shadows falling on Jesus' face as he responds. How dumb are you people? And the look of shock on theirs... Jesus then explains everything in the Bible about himself. And when we're talking about the Bible, in Jesus' day, we're talking about the Hebrew Scriptures. We're talking about the Old Testament. Luke tells us that Jesus started at the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, everything written in Moses, and worked his way through the whole Scriptures. Can you imagine being at that lecture? Can you imagine hearing the incarnate Word of God interpret the written word of God to you. What a thing that must have been to hear. I imagine their pace must have slowed down quite a bit. But they still don't recognize him. They still don't understand who he is. His teaching doesn't open their eyes. Curious, it isn't until they get to Emmaus and eat together that they recognize him. It isn't until he breaks bread. It is in the breaking of the bread that Jesus heals the broken hearts of those two disciples. And it is when we gather together at a meal like this that Jesus heals our brokenness as well. The last year has been unimaginably difficult on all of us, especially on the young, those who are... You know, One moment are going to school and the next are back to hybrid and stuck at home. Parents who have to scramble for daycare and what are they going to do with their children, uh, with, uh, with those with health issues, and also with the elderly. It's been incredibly stressful on them. We've become more isolated than ever by necessity, which is saying something considering how isolated many of us were before. Many of us are grieving. We haven't lost loved ones to this pandemic. We might be be grieving a a loss of a way of life, the loss of a vision of how life ought to be. That was what the disciples lost. The dream of God's kingdom died when Jesus died. The dream of a truly just and peaceful world shattered, as Jesus' body was broken on that cross. But like Jesus, the dream would not stay in the tomb. The dream of the kingdom of God is tenacious because it is anchored in the reality of God. If it were not so, then such dreams would have crumpled, like so many other utopian projects have throughout history. The dream of God's kingdom in Christ rooted in Christ's resurrection, would have taken its place beside Bar Kokhba's revolt in the second century, also brutally repressed by the Romans. The Cathars in southern France and the Oneida community in New York, all these utopian projects, all these attempts to create a perfect world, it would have taken its place beside all of these failed hopes and dreams. The dream of the kingdom wouldn't have mattered if it were not rooted in the reality of Christ and his resurrection. But the kingdom of God is rooted in the reality of God. And to show us that it is real, the risen Christ comes to our level. In the old days, they'd say he condescends to us. He reveals himself in humble stuff. You can't get much more humble than bread and wine or water. Can't get much more humble than that. Christ doesn't escape this realm at his resurrection. He becomes more deeply embedded within it. Jesus is embedded in this meal that we are about to share. Jesus is embedded in the water for holy baptism. He is embedded in the words you hear. He is embedded in you and in me. He's also embedded in the music you hear today. He's embedded in all of these things, all all of these means. This is the kind of love that Christ has for us. He doesn't just die for our sins on the cross on Friday, rise on Sunday, and leave this world behind. Jesus remains, even though he reigns from the Father's right hand. Jesus in a very concrete sense, remains here with us. He hears the plea of his disciples to stay with us, to stay with us. I love that word in Greek. It's the word meno. It means to stay, to remain, to abide. Jesus abides with his disciples that evening as he breaks the bread, just as he abides with us now. And the dream of God's kingdom is alive, even in a time like ours, as the bread is broken here and we receive him, so our broken hearts experience healing, a foretaste of true shalom. Let's pray. God our Father, your Son Jesus did not abandon us, but revealed his healing presence in the breaking of bread. Heal our hearts and bring us to full shalom in him for his sake.